Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Hi, today we have Tammy Phipps and Josh Hyman uh, joining us who are co-founders of Driver Rehabilitation Center of Excellence, LLC. And uh, it's otherwise known as DRCE. And we ha- they have a wonderful story about how they created and developed this company over time and recently launched the company with a great amount of uh, success and, and uh, PR and so forth. So I'm very excited to talk to them. Hi, Tammy and Josh. How are you? Hi, Amanda. Great. Great. Good, good. Okay, well, before we get started on the business, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how did you, what did you do before you became business of co-founders? Um, so I'll start. Um, we both obviously have uh, different stories, and then we can talk about where that uh, those stories intersect. Um, mm-hmm. I am a occupational therapist by background, graduated from the University of South Dakota with my master's. And at that time, I was in the um, Army National Guard. And from that point, I um, went and got commissioned in the U.S. Army Reserve. And uh, as I was drilling and working as an occupational therapist in my home state of South Dakota, um, I was called to deploy in um, the uh, summer or spring of uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, up to that point, <clears throat> I had uh, prior to that, I had an interest uh, in a specialty field of driving rehabilitation um, as a subfield of, of occupational therapy, and I was able to build and develop uh, the first driving rehab program in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota, which is around 25,000 people, uh, but it's also the third largest city in the state uh, and became a very important um, service to have um, to really cover the state, which is, you know, incredibly rural. So when I deployed, uh, I deployed as a mental health asset, as an occupational therapist with a combat stress unit. Uh, My job was to do critical incident debriefings um, for really the death and dying in my area of operation. Um, So I spent a year uh, in Iraq, and during that time, as things happen, I ran into the uh, Surgeon General of the Army. Um, at that time was uh, Major General Schoomaker. And his aide-de-camp was uh, Major David Roselle. And uh, Major Roselle actually is a, a right below knee amputee. And, it's you know, uh, his gait was not telling, but something prompted me to say, hey, I noticed just a little something different because, uh, of course, he was in fatigues and you really couldn't tell. Um, so we struck up a conversation and he asked what my background was, and I let him know that my specialty was driving, and and, uh, both he and the general were very excited about that and said, would you please come to Walter Reed, and this was in February of 2008, and at that time, I said, thank you very much, but I'm going to go home to South Dakota, 
When I got home, um, really as a reservist with what we call onesie and twosie, I was attached to a unit I didn't belong to. And um, so I went from Iraq to my living room in five days as I redeployed. <laughs> and in the Army Reserve, once you have what we call refratted or come off active duty, you essentially just plop back into society. And uh, life had moved forward and changed, and uh, so had I. Um, um, I didn't necessarily realize that until I got home. And I was, again, still being heavily recruited uh, as a civilian to come to Walter Reed. So I did. Um, I packed up. We I actually did something that uh, we advise people not to do uh, in a reintegration period is I made a big life decision. And I decided hmm. to move my children and my cats uh, to Washington, D.C., in the fall of 2008. And then the story is from there, um, I was able to develop and run um, the only comprehensive driving rehab program in the Department of Defense and um, kind of became a legend, um, the program, because I was able to see all the wounded, ill, and injured um, in the period of eight years. So that brings us to where we are today um, with all of the experience. I'm a very mission-based uh, type of person and very passionate about what I do. And um, once the mission, the mission was less of a mission and more of a job, um, as the casualties from Iraq and Afghanistan um, dwindled, um, I found myself thinking about the next step, and, and I really wanted to help more and more people. And so the problem then for me was I'm a uh, great therapist. I'm a great builder of programs and development, but it turns out that I'm not a business person. And so as much as I wanted to, to jump out and, and do private practice, I was kind of missing that piece. So I talked a lot, but never really made it anywhere. And then that's where I will segue, <clears throat> excuse me, to Josh um, and how that our um, paths intersected at that point. And so I'll let Josh tell the rest of that story. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Tammy. Um, so my background uh, was uh, I had uh, I went to uh, Radford University and I uh, graduated with a degree in finance. And uh, I thought that, uh, you know, my life was going to be in business. And then, you know, I had dreams of becoming an executive. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, our, our, we were in the middle of the Iraq war. And, um, you know, it just seemed like, you know, America, I, I just felt a calling that, uh, you know, that, that it was my generation's time to serve. And uh, I thought about it and I said, I have my whole life to do business but I really only have one opportunity to join the military. You know, it's not something, you know, at 27 or 32, you can just, "Mm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to join the military. And um, Mm -hmm. so I made a decision and um, I joined the United States Marine Corps Mm -hmm. and um, I was deployed um, in 2009. Um, I was in uh, 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines, um, and I was a 0331 machine gunner. Um, during, uh, at the very end of our deployment, I was riding in the backseat of a Humvee and, uh, we rolled over an IED and, uh, mm-hmm. I was unfortunately ejected from the vehicle. Um, and I sustained, uh, multiple spinal cord injuries, um, that mm-hmm. left me today, uh, paralyzed from the chest down. So, um, you know, I was in the hospital, I went to the Richmond VA for about nine months and then I was transferred to Walter Reed. Well, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
when I was at Walter Reed, obviously one of the big things for me was, and it is for uh, almost all of us who um, are injured, is uh, you know what what are we going to get back that uh, was normal in our life, and uh, mm-hmm. one of those was driving. And fortunately, mm-hmm. I had seen therapists who had told me that I had the ability to drive, but there was a big disconnect from actually like getting a vehicle, get, you know, getting my license, getting back on the road and actually driving. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to have met, um, well, a major at the time who was Captain Phipps. And uh, I was really blown away. And here's a lady who was able to help me, you know, um, not only get my car, but, you know, she helped me with all the paperwork to deal with the VA, um, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, I had, you know, me being a business guy, you know, I always kind of hinted her. I was like, hey, you know, this is really awesome. And uh, there's a lot of people all around the world that could really use these services, um, you know, if you're thinking about um, going into private practice, you know, um, you know, let me know. And um, mm-hmm. there was a there was a long period where there was times and we were friends and you know I kind of give her pointers, but I said you know for this really to launch, I'm gonna she needs a partner. She really needs mm-hmm. somebody who's gonna be there every step of the way. Um, and in the meantime, uh, before we started the business, uh, I was fortunate enough to go back to school. And uh, oh, I got great. a Master of Science in Finance from George Washington, mm-hmm. and I have a Master of Science in Applied Economics from um, John Hopkins. So well. I, I definitely had my course um, back to business. It was a very easy transition for me. You know, a lot of guys, um, you know, military was kind of their, their life, uh, and so it's harder for them to make the transition, and they have to explore new things. I really already had a passion for business, so it was an easier transition for me being injured because, you know, obviously I could no longer be in the military um, in the role that um, I had, so uh, it was easy for me to go back to really my first love in the business, and, uh, you know, when I when I told Tammy, I said, you know, is this something you would do if, you know, I, I became your partner, and uh, we mm-hmm. met, and we decided to go for it. <laughs> Great. Mm. Wonderful. And that's pretty impressive, finance and economics. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, terrific. That sounds like a, a perfect partnering now. I have a quick question about partnering. Was there anything important in the pre, uh, before you launched the business uh, in defining your partnership and did you sign agreements? Did, you know, how did you go into a business partnership? So that's a, um, a perfect question. So just to give you a timeline of where we're at um, in the story mm-hmm. is this is 2014 uh, when Josh proposed a, a partnership and, and to start the LLC. Um, I actually, uh, Red Cross volunteer that I worked with at Walter Reed is also a lawyer. And so he was critical and pivotal, you know, pivotal in um, helping us. He was able to provide, you know, some services at reduced cost that we could afford and um, really guided us into developing the LLC and that relationship. And, you know, um, 
it's so important that we understood where we're at today and where we want to go in the future and that all of those questions are answered so there's no, uh, and legally as well. Uh, today we recognize in business that um, we both have the same vision, we have the passion, but um, we need to protect the business, which is now um, our you know, main focus. And so yeah, and well, we, we did reach and talk to a lawyer and he helped us with the agreement. Go ahead, Josh. And, and what I like to say, the philosophy I, I am very adamant about is you always want to build your house upon a rock. Um, mm-hmm. because even if you build a real successful business and, you know, everything is great, um, the first time a storm comes, uh, if your foundation is built on sand, it will crumble. Um, mm-hmm. So the first steps uh, always in creating a business is making sure um, that it's it's legally sound. You know, uh, hiring a lawyer don't 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 save on those costs. At least have them review the documents, have them review you know what everybody's equal um, share is in the partnership. In that way, when the storm comes and it will come. Um, everybody goes back to that document to fall back on. So mm-hmm. I think that's um, probably the most important step, first step, is making sure that um, your legal documents and your legal partnership is uh, squared away. Great. Great. Now, uh, it sounds like you're not uh, the same person, but you have very different skill sets and interests and so forth even though you share the same vision and passion and and that and those are complementary uh, skill sets is that true absolutely um, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the, the beauties of this partnership is I'm allowed to um, be the visionary and uh, Josh brings it back down into um, this, you know, this plane that we have to live in of uh, paying bills and um, the legal parts and all of that. So definitely complementary. Perfect. One of the things that uh, uh, I thought it was funny that uh, Kobe Bryant was on TV a couple months ago, and he said that the difference between sports and business is in sports you have a salary cap. Okay, so you have to find individual players' roles based on um, you know uh, a set of guidelines. Um, in business, you know you have the freedom to go out and find anybody that um, you think you have a weakness in. And, um, you know, it, there's, there's nothing holding you back. Um, and uh, you, you really always need to have team members, you know, whether they are direct partners or they're people who handle things like accountants, lawyers, um, consultants. There's always room for people on your team. And, you know, the, really the, the world is open um, for you to assemble that team. Mm. That's great. Um, great. Okay. Uh, let's see. So uh, it sounds like you started the business in 2014. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So what? So it, was it uh, Josh coming to propose the business as a as partners, and having the lawyer who was uh, a Red Cross volunteer in the room at the same time that said that that, that created this business or was there something else about 2014 that said let's do it now nope that's uh, the first is exactly what it was it was the three of us getting together saying we want to build this business and let's start with the LLC uh, and so that's what we did in 2014 we created uh, and became and filed all the paperwork for the um, the business itself the LLC great well tell me how 
you you got from 2014 to the launch, the soft launch, and then the 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 big launch in 2016. Uh, you know what what was going on during those two years? Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to just speak very. Um, just a little bit about it um, because there's a, there's a couple of factors, but it's, it's actually, it makes a whole lot of sense. So in 2014, number one, um, we, we wanted to create this and, and we were getting ready to, you know, make the leap. I personally uh, needed to finish my mission um, at Walter Reed and I did not want to leave any single uh, combat wounded um, service member mm-hmm. who needed my services kind of in a lurch. And also, so I had a, a um, personally an, an obligation, definitely not a professional one. But um, the barrier for us from 2014 um, was financial. And uh, that's where I'll let Josh kind of take over. You can't, you can have the vision, you can have the LLC, but until you can sustain your, um, your own home, you really need to figure out where's that gap and how are we going to um, pay to, you know, pay my rent and my Right. Mm-hmm. So, Food and so when it, and that's where Josh so, comes into. Yeah. So, you know, business, um, here's what I try to tell most people. Um, <laughs> you really can be in business two ways. Either A, you have the energy and passion for something, okay, or number two, you have money. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're missing one of those pieces, everybody's looking for that other partner, okay? There's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there that have capital that they want outside of the stock market. They want, they want it in um, businesses that are unique, that help society, that um, they can go home feeling good, uh, that their money is being put to good use, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you're going to take, for them to give you your money, you have to sell them that you have the energy, the experience, everything it takes to run the business because the people with money don't, they're not, they're not going to be obligated to do the work. Okay. Their, their piece of the pie is giving you the money. Um, mm-hmm. So I, the, the one thing I'm going to tell everybody, okay, so now you're on the other side. You say, hey, I've got the passion. I've, I've got this vision. Um, is really going back down to understanding your rate of return. Okay, because you have to, you know, with with me and Tammy, I was able to explain to her is that I, I I'm and I, I consider myself a professional investor. Or at least that's the way I always look at things. And I say, mm-hmm. for me to invest in this business, what rate of return do I need to see? You know, mm-hmm. and you basically go along the risk curve. I don't mean to get too technical in finance, but you know, um, I, I have money. I can give money to a the U.S. Treasury, which is very safe. And then I go down, uh, there's corporate bonds, and then there's stock, and then there's, you know, uh, commercial real estate. And every, the more risk I take, the more return I need, okay? Mm-hmm. And at the far end of this risk curve, it is a thing called business, okay? Business is the most risky thing someone can invest in. So it needs to be, you at least need to tell the investor it has the highest rate of return. So mm-hmm. if you go to an investor and, and you say, hey, I have this business idea, it's going to be real great, but it's going to give you a return of 6%, you're not going to get any money because the person's mm-hmm. going to say, I can take my money and have far less risk and make 6%, right? Mm-hmm. So 
you have to really be able to project your rate of return, you know, um, at least over 20% for someone to give you seed money um, in your business, okay? Once you become a very established business and you have a lot of cash flow to show, then your risk to the investor comes down and you can offer them a lower rate of return. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But if you're, you're in the startup space, you know, you're going to have to really be able to show them that it's worth them taking the risk because they're going to get a high reward. So mm-hmm. that's really, and then that goes into, you know, um, being able to properly forecast your numbers and creating a pro forma um, and really analyzing, you know, how much, how much does it cost you per day? How much does it cost you per customer? Um, what is your overhead cost? And really putting that together and really being able to, uh, because if somebody cannot, you know, I always think as an investor, if somebody cannot explain their numbers to me, then they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they need to be able to sell it to me on paper first before I take the next step and really do the intrinsic value investigation, like, okay, is this person, you know, what, what is this really their passion? Do they have the experience? It's really got to make sense on paper first. So that's, that's kind of like my biggest. And that's, yeah, and that's what we did. We, we mm-hmm. ended up um, uh, pitching and, and being able to secure uh, angel investment. That's great. Um, how long did you uh, show them it would take to have that rate of return that they were looking for? Did, did you give them a number sure. of years? Or well, you, I, you have to you have to do it from an internal and external perspective. Um, uh-huh. What what I do it from um, internally. This is how I would suggest everyone approach. Well. Okay, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. everyone, but this is how I think about risk. I am a mm-hmm. living, breathing, Bayesian statistic. And if anyone who has ever um, studied finance and economics, they'll be aware of Bayesian. Essentially, how do you evaluate risk without data? So, you know, if I'm, if I'm an insurance company, I have so many people that die at this age, which gives me this probability of someone living, so I offer them a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Well, Bayesian, we don't, we don't have that data. So, you know, what I like to say is that um, if I had $60 billion, I had um, 10 PhDs personally, and I had an army of 500,000 of the smartest people working for me in the world, guess what? I wouldn't know what tomorrow brings. <laughs> and you, 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 there's impossible to know the future. So what you have to do is you have to take all the information you know today, okay, and project out. And just mm-hmm. know that every day you're going to have to update your model based on new information that comes out. And, and, mm-hmm. and one of the great things the military teaches you and one of the lessons I will always learn is we always went in with a battle plan. We always went in with, okay, this is where we think the enemy is. This is what we're going to do. And 100% of the time, we always had to adapt that plan because it never turned out like it said on paper. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I approach every day as, um, you know, that the battlefield will evolve 
And um, if you have the attitude, hey, I can adapt to any situation and I will do what it takes, you're going to be just fine in making your decision and evaluating risk. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that's great. And so you've got an angel. Uh, what, at what point, uh, was that in 2016 or 15? Um, I was... Yeah, 2015. 15? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. And then you. And then the next step was to uh, build the. You know, acquire vehicles. I mean, what what kinds of things had to go into building your business, which is uh, a remarkable one. And you. Need- yes. So we looked at the core of the business, and the core of the business is evaluation and training and services. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we need to have vehicles. So like I said, I think we had talked uh, a while ago, Amanda, about us being very capital intense. Um, mm-hmm. So the first thing that we did, we actually uh, found a nonprofit organization that was able to help us with our first vehicle. Uh, and they're oh. up out of Connecticut, a veteran-friendly uh, nonprofit um, uh, called... for Veterans. Work Vessels for Veterans, right. Thank you. Right. And uh, so they actually came through with a, uh, in, uh Impala. Um, and so we started with that vehicle. So we didn't have to build, mm-hmm. build my, my toolbox to be able to provide services. And so we started with the Impala. Um, we sent that vehicle down to uh, Florida where we had uh, a Kempf digital ring. It's an accelerator ring. It's really state-of-the-art. And working with that manufacturer, and, of course, when you um, have a business plan like we do and the projections like we do, it's, it's easier to get vehicle uh, manufacturers of adaptive equipment to also mm-hmm. um, donate, you know, parts. And so that's what happened. Gotcha. We did have a uh, Kempf ring installed in that vehicle. So that was our first vehicle. Now, that is a uh, very specific device that doesn't work for probably the majority of people. Um, mm. So we needed, we, needed to be have, we needed to have many types of adaptations to, to match people's needs. So I mm. moved forward, and um, we then went to our second vehicle purchase um, actually a year ago in January, and that was uh, a new Ford Fusion. And so um, luckily, um, another important piece that I'm not sure that Josh covered in the financial piece was not only did we have to have a strong business, we had to be financially um, secure as well personally. And so mm-hmm. my personal um, ability to, to, to get credit was paramount, you know, for that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And then um, we used that vehicle. We worked with another uh, adaptive equipment manufacturer who donated us uh, another five types of different hand controls. So now we're becoming uh, even more diverse and able to serve many more Mm -hmm. uh, customers. And then Mm -hmm. our final vehicle in our fleet is a conversion van, which is the drop floor ramp van. And uh, I actually had a a prior customer of mine, service member who uh, is now a veteran, was moving out of the country and was ready to uh, sell his vehicle. So I actually purchased mm-hmm. that vehicle from him. Uh, so you'll see it's a lot of networking and um, thinking mm-hmm. outside of the box to be able to acquire. If I had sat down and, and wrote that list of things I need and looked at the, the actual number of you know, the cost and all of that without doing that networking, it would have been probably something we wouldn't have been able to do. Um, And then we, uh, that was the, you know, the the core of our business. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we ended up um, moving into 
the next phase, which is how, you know, where, where's the location that we do mm-hmm. business. And so we had another uh, team player, which was a real estate broker, um, really helping mm. us find our, we call it our forever space. But uh, it's very difficult uh, to find that. One, is it in our budget? Is it in the area that we want it to be in? Is it zoned for what we want to do? And uh, can we afford it? So that was a very long process and probably took us um, almost a year to actually find space that met our needs. So in the interim, again, thinking outside of the box, you have a couple of choices. You either work out of your car, which um, was not, I mean, it was something I was willing to do, but professionally I wanted to, you know, appear stronger than that. Um, So we ended up leasing, again, being creative. We did like a three-month lease in a business office suite, um, and we, we started at that and waited to find our forever space, which we found in, um, we found it in June of 2015, moved in in, I'm sorry, June of 2016, and moved in August 1st of this year. Great. And then that launched um, into the back part of our business, which is um, installation of adaptive equipment. So we, can, we have a really a one-stop shop, evaluation, training, and also modification of vehicles. Ah, great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that goes. I think that goes along with uh, you know our real goal. Really, I don't know if we touched on was really to be take care of the customer for their entire um, pretty much life with the car, uh, mm-hmm. and being able to say, okay, well, I don't want to. And, and one of the big things, you know, me and Tammy had the vision for is not just to say we didn't just want the people to come here, get evaluated, and say, okay, you're on your own, figure things out. Um, you know, we really want, like, when we when a customer comes in here, we really take care of them all the way through them, you know, independently driving. You know, when the person comes in, we want to, we, we not only give them the evaluation, but we give them prescription, handle their paperwork, and then, you know, if they need modification to the vehicle, we can do it in-house on our shop and really take care of the customer through the entire life cycle. And then that's really... Um, I just think I just wanted to um, uh, interlude that real quick. <laughs> yeah, and Amanda, that just to to, to uh, add to that point, this, to my knowledge, is the first um, the first time that this this has been done um, in terms of having evaluation, training, and installation all in one site. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you say modification, they they may buy a vehicle. And then you, your company will modify it according Correct. to what's mm-hmm. necessary. Gotcha. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, now, do you have employees? We do. <laughs> so, again, um, really thinking about those barriers, right, and how do we, how do we get through them and, and how do we start. So we actually hired our first employee um, before we launched a business. And mm-hmm. so we hired him as a um, – uh, operations Operation. manager. And so his job, while I was still employed uh, and before the business actually launched and we were able to see customers, he did a lot of the um, um, work of putting things together, you know, getting the office space, getting the stuff, um, running around and, and doing any of the uh, legal paperwork, just, just anything, you know, that needed to mm-hmm. be done. That's why we hired him and, and had him start really putting things together for us. Um, mm-hmm. And then 
the next person that we hired was me. Um, mm, enabled, uh, so, right. So I need to be able to not just have a business, but also have a, uh, employment. And so I became a second employee and then mm. we have a third employee, which is the shop manager for the back of our business. Um, mm-hmm. we currently have, so we do have three employees on staff right now. And then mm. we have, uh, two that are essentially, uh, as needed work. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to bring one does sales and one does, uh, installation. And so hopefully we will grow in the next three, hopefully three months, and be able to bring them on uh, as employees. Great. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, who are your clients? Uh, anybody in the uh, spectrum of, of driving age, really. <clears throat> so we see from, you know, uh, Children uh, with either physical disabilities or learning disabilities are definitely customers. And then um, moving into your adult uh, population, uh, anybody who has a medical impairment, you know, that that could um, impair driving or a medical condition that could impair driving, rather. So that can be anything from top down, right? So cognition, vision, uh, physical disability or limitations, and um, cognitive, uh, mental health, anything that might be impairing mm-hmm. uh, your ability to drive. And then mm-hmm. all the way into the retirement from driving spectrum, which uh, unfortunately is sometimes a hard thing for uh, older adults that may no longer have the ability to, to continue driving. And so we do provide older driver evaluations as well. So the whole gotcha. spectrum really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So it's, uh, did you start out with a vision of uh this being a, a business focused on veterans, or you started out with the whole gamut as your vision. the whole gamut. Uh, that's okay. that's that has been my you know while there's there's only I think 380 something uh, certified driving rehab specialists nationally, and so mm-hmm. it is as you can tell through our our, our discussion today, it's it's labor intensive, it's portfolio intensive, it's mm-hmm. capital intensive, it's legal intensive. The very mm-hmm. uh, uh, complex uh, business mm-hmm. to get in. So there aren't many. Um, most uh, driving ramp specialists are employed by hospital-based programs. Uh, few are in the um, private practice sector. And so mm-hmm. people who need our services, there's really not a lot around. So in Northern Virginia, for example, um, we're the, we're the, we're the four, we're the first, uh, in Northern Virginia, if you can believe that. Even though there's not even a hospital based program. Uh, the closest is a program that does simulator but not behind the wheel. So the need uh, is extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. and that was my focus and my vision is really to help everybody in the spectrum and not just provide services, modification and adaptation, but also, uh, I'm looking into uh, doing research um, to further the field of driving rehab, and I really want to brand uh, this company and uh, expand to multiple sites as well to even make mm-hmm. it stronger. Great. Okay, that's good. And now, we, let, let's uh, move to the, the launch. Can you describe your launch and how did you uh, take this business from uh, – a business plan and, you know, lots of thought to an actual business which was on all sorts of news channels and which has won, already won awards. Yeah. 
Uh, so I'll let, actually Josh uh, is really the beginning of that. So what happened was uh, he's always researching, digging, how are we going to solve the problems of, of money, of finding out what we don't know, right, about mm-hmm. um, bee poles, for example. I'd never heard of a bee pole. What in the world is that? And uh, for your listeners, that's your, uh, your business license, right? Um, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no textbook that says do this and have that and you need to have this and that. So uh, mm-hmm. Josh, being very resourceful, uh, looked up into Fairfax County of, you know, what is there out to help us. And so he found the Fairfax County Economic Develop Authority, and we went to an entrepreneur workshop. And that is something that uh, everybody who's listening should really look. Your county will have resources for you, and you can start to network and, and meet people that way. So we went to the um, uh, entrepreneur workshop, and then Josh kind of um, took it from there with uh, really selling our our vision, and uh, they just wanted to help. So our mm-hmm. partner in our big launch was really Fairfax uh, County Economic Development Authority, and I'll let Josh talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, there's definitely you know there's definitely um, a lot of resources out there that um, that. Um, you know, uh, people can take advantage of, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're going to have to, if you don't have money, you're going to have to beat the energy for it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, these problems are, um, like I said, a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, I have multiple degrees in business and a lot of it, they're not going to teach you. Um, you know, and that's, that's where it comes down. I think we have a big advantage as, um, uh, military members and prior military members is that we understand that we understand that not everything's in a textbook and that we're going to have to be creative in um, how we accomplish our mission. And um, mm-hmm. you know, Fairfax uh, Economic Development Authority was uh, amazing, amazing influence to us. And they, you know, I said, well, what what are some of the things that you might be able to do for us? And they said, uh, well, we can do a press release of uh, your grand opening. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that sounds great. And um, you know, I didn't know how big it was going to get. Um, you know, is this going to be, you know. 10 people um, showing up and, and type of thing, but it actually, you know, credit to them, they did an amazing job, and, and, and we had, you know, well over, um, you know, 120 people show up. We had um, all kinds of uh, local news was there, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, um, and um, just really... WT, I mean, I could, uh, Tammy could probably go to the whole list WTOP, of the Christian Music Station, uh, WTTGS, or WTGS, there we go, uh, Fairfax County Connection. Um, yeah, so it, the, the, they had they put out a press release, and they called me. So our grand opening was on November 19th, which was a, a Friday, and they put out their press release to the media, however that happens, and uh, they really, they called me on Wednesday, and they said, look, we, we put this out, but we really haven't had any bites, um, so we probably expect to see one or two local newspaper, uh, huh. you know, circulars coming, and the day came, and every major media camera was there. It, they were set up. They wanted, I probably did, between Josh and I, we probably did at least 20 interviews. Um, wow. It was really, really fantastic uh, day mm-hmm. for sure. 
But if you don't put yourself out there, I mean, if you, you know, if you do not reach out to people, they're they're not Mm -hmm. going to know how to help you. Uh, mm-hmm. So one of those things you're going to, you know, you're going to have to get used to as an entrepreneur is um, talking about your business and going to things where, you know, on surface you may not know what that person has. I mean, I go to events all the time, and I'm not going to tell you that every one of them is 100% correct. In fact, uh, one of my kind of rules is you hand out 100 business cards, okay? Mm-hmm. You have 10 people that maybe can have some help. You have three people that really you get to know and one that really gets you a a sale or a real bump or a real boost to your uh, business. So, you mm-hmm. know, just knowing those odds, I know it's a 1% chance that I'm going to get a real, real game changing connection. So it's really mm-hmm. comes down to putting yourself out there and being a numbers game. You know, mm-hmm. you, you greatly increase your chances of finding a financial partner, you know, finding mm-hmm. a mentor, finding a, a future uh, business. Uh, maybe you guys have complementing businesses. Um, you increase your chances by being out there and, and doing events. So, um, you know, you really, you really need to have, if it's not you, maybe you're not the people person, you're going to need someone on your team that is willing to go out and, and talk about your business. Mm-hmm. That's great. Wonderful. So you got all that press, and uh, I love, by the way, your stats because that's really normal <laughs> that you that you set, give a hundred business cards and you get a sale. <laughs> so that's terrific. Right. Um, and so uh, um, you you had all of that press and interviews, and again, you won an award and, and at least one that I know of. And uh, and how does this translate into business? Well, for one, um, we uh, we did get traffic uh, to our website, and then also people who were like, that's exactly what I need, and they're right here mm-hmm. in um, Chantilly, Virginia. So we got mm-hmm. calls uh, from customers that either um, was looking for businesses like ours, or uh, they didn't know that we existed and that was a business that would, for, let me give you an example, I think it would be easier. Um, so mm-hmm. we talked about older drivers, right, that fall into a category of perhaps an evaluation, maybe a, a retirement from driving. And families are like, that's exactly what I need. I need to have mom or dad evaluated by a professional and I'll let them give us a um, professional opinion on, on what needs to happen in our family. And so a lot, I got a lot of uh, leads from just, you know, that sharing. So news stories don't just, which is kind of cool, uh, you know, back 20 years ago, the news ran once, and if you missed it, you missed it. But now we have the ability to share those news stories by email, by Internet, by Facebook, by other social media outlets. And so mm-hmm. that that um, those stories were shared and shared and shared, and so we got leads that way uh, as well for people who um, were looking for us. Um, and like I said, it's a real niche in, um, company, uh, and it is hard. It's hard for customers to find us. So that's that's where we got. And, and I would say, of all the, yeah. we we have done some different uh, marketing. Uh, you know, we've sent out. Um, We've sent out different advertisements. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we definitely, you know, do um, door-to-door marketing. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, we go out to car dealerships. Uh, we, we do all the things. But I would say probably the best, most cost-effective way has been the press and, and yeah. just using the local news. And, and um, I, I would say that's been the best bang for our buck. So mm-hmm. you know. we got a little bit. Uh, I do want to, and I, and I heard this once of, of Paul Newman, and I just love it. But I do have to say is, is, is sometimes you have to acknowledge luck. And um, mm-hmm. the luck that we got, I think, uh, which we didn't really anticipate or plan for, was our timing. Um, November was uh, is Veterans Month. Um, media are interested in finding veteran stories in November for Veterans Day. We also, mm-hmm. right after that, the very first weekend in December, we had already um, signed up to be at the Abilities Expo, which is a very large venue for people with disabilities um, products. And so that was mm-hmm. at the Dulles Expo, you know, uh, a week and a half after the, the media blitz. And so that actually drove customers to our booth to talk about um, oh, great. You know, what we were doing and how we could help them. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there that, uh, you know, luck sometimes implies that you didn't do the hard work, which we absolutely did. But I would say the luck is in our timing. We really uh, could not mm-hmm. have had any better timing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now, quick question. Did you think about launching in November because of Veterans Day or just so happened everything was ready in November and that was Veterans Day month? Everything just happened and was ready in November. <laughs> I'd like to great. say that, you know, I, I'm a master uh, space and time planner, but to be honest, it really was just ready. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, great. All right, great. Um, so this has been uh, fantastic. And so you've You've had a, a month and a half, maybe, of um, a full business, not the soft launch, but the full business. And, uh, and how's it going? I'll let Josh go ahead and take that. Oh, well, I, you know, things are, things are growing great, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, are really able to service a lot of people, and uh, every week our business has grown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at um, growth metrics, uh, mm-hmm. And I look at, you know, what's our um, percent of cash growth, you know, obviously business growth. Um, things are really trending up. So uh, mm-hmm. we're definitely excited. And, um, you know, we still, we still um, deal with issues. And obviously, you know, like I said, the, the best thing we do is we, we adapt our strategy. And, um, you know, you learn lessons along the way. And, uh you know, you just carry them with you. And, uh, but, you know, you, you really, like I said, it all comes down to really what I say. The, the secret sauce is hard work. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, how you, you should sell yourself as being naturally talented, okay, because when you talk to people, that's really what will sell them is that mm-hmm. you, Tammy has a talent. She is, I consider her the best driving instructor in the world. You know, I consider myself a, a top businessman. I'm just not a lot of people to think like me. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, but I know really behind the scenes that it's really the hard work that Tammy's put in, all the extra hours, overtime, all the things mm-hmm. she has sacrificed for all of us is why we want to support her. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to be her partner, not because I wanted to make a lot of money. Um, I mm-hmm. have uh, businesses. I'm in finance. 
Um, I know what, you know, labor-intensive businesses don't make high-profit margins. I know that. <laughs> but really, yeah. our business is about helping people. And if I can help mm-hmm. people and I can have employees make great salaries, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a happy man. Uh, mm-hmm. But the secret sauce behind everything is hard work, and it, it, money is not an obstacle. If you have the drive and you sell yourself as being special, people will give you money. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to make sure I, I, uh, I preach that. Thank yeah. you, Josh. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned, uh, Josh, the adapt and lear- uh, with lessons learned. And I wonder if you two could tell me some of the biggest lessons learned you've you've learned since uh, you started in 2014. Could you give me a a couple or a few of those? Let's see. Lessons learned. There's so many. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you, uh, really, I got to bring it back to money. Money is money. You have to have money, right? And I will say the biggest lesson learned is don't be afraid of money. I, I'm in my background. I come from the Midwest and the Midwest, we are all about uh, having no debts, right? And we Mm -hmm. probably were the, like South Dakota might've been the last state to get a credit card. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) it just debt, is very uh, scary to me. But what I'm learning uh, through Josh's help is that um, debt isn't a negative thing. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, a, it's what you need to build business, or Josh will always preach, is that uh, as long as I don't mind borrowing money, as long as that money is going to give me a return. And so my, mm-hmm. my biggest lesson learned is that. And then also... Um, I don't have to know everything. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer and I'm a thinker, but I'm also a perfectionist. And so uh, fear of what I don't know, what I don't know, is, is, um, was, I should say, a barrier for me. So that's the biggest lesson learned. And you know what? Money is, seems to be like an impossible barrier, mm-hmm. but um, you, you can figure it out. You can figure it out. And we're talking about we had a dream, a passion, we sold it. And um, I'm here to tell you, uh, regardless of the um, misconceptions about small business, one is that because we are uh, 100% disabled-owned, woman-owned, small business, there's somehow magical pots of money out there for those categories. And the reality mm-hmm. is, is that there is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, banks uh, nowadays are going to uh, loan to you only if you have sales, not projections, mm-hmm. but actual sales. And so um, that is, that's my, my personally, my biggest lesson learned, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if it's something you really yeah. want, it's going to be scary. And to, to piggyback off there, what I try to tell people is if you understand how to calculate your rate of return, okay, you know how much your, and you know how to calculate your whack, your weighted average cost of capital. So how much did it cost me to borrow money? How much does it cost mm-hmm. me to bring in investors? And you understand that calculation. So if I say my weighted average cost of capital is 10%, okay, it costs me 10%, but I'm going to make 20, then you should feel that, okay, is there enough buffer in my projection of 20, making 20% that I feel comfortable uh, bringing investors and borrowing at 10? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. If, you know, if you don't know how to calculate 20 Okay, if you don't know how to calculate the rate of return, you don't know rate of return, you would be a fool to borrow. 
Okay, because mm-hmm. you don't know if you're borrowing more than you're making. And that that formula will not last long. You you will you mm-hmm. your business will fold. Um so I you know, I think for people say, okay, well, I don't have a numbers background. Well, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, there's a lot of basic accounting courses out there. There's a lot of basic finances. You know, I still take courses on uh, Udemy. Uh, sometimes I'll want a refresher, and, you know, they have $10 courses on there and basic finance. And, uh, you know, you don't have to, ha- you don't necessarily have to go to university and spend $10,000 on a class to figure out, you know, how to make a pro forma. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, you can open up a book that costs you $15 and it'll tell you how to build an Excel. And if you can't build an Excel, outsource them from the beginning of Excel. You just have to understand the numbers behind it. You have to mm-hmm. understand. And it's not, it's not, you know, linear algebra or integral calculus. It's just what's my revenue, what are my expenses, and how much does that net me? And mm-hmm. that net profit, how much is that how much of that do I get back based on my initial investment? So I, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I'm not confusing everybody or making it seem too difficult, but when you know the rate of return, then it's easy to borrow. Mm-hmm. And then and, if you and, don't and, understand what Josh just said, you find yourself a Josh. And and I at the same token at the same token I'm always looking for people like Tammy, right? Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't have an expertise in one field. Um, you know, and I'd love to get into a restaurant business, an engineering business, whatever business I'd want to get in. I don't have the experience in running an engineering firm. I don't have Mm -hmm. the experience in running a restaurant. And if somebody would want to sell me, somebody like me says, hey, I've run a restaurant for 10 years. I love the restaurant business. I love the whole business. I love serving customers. I'm like, this guy's got fire. I'll tell you how I can help you. I can help you with all the back end, you know, number Mm -hmm. crunching, help you with a lot of the legal work, understand you, give you pretty much tell you how the business game works. And um, Mm -hmm. you can find, like I said, people out there, but you're going to have to sell your energy and you're going to have to sell your expertise. And that's all you really need to do. Well, I'm going to caveat on that because, um, of course, I found a Josh to do all of the, um, what I consider to be incredibly boring but crucial and critical. (laughs) Just because I don't understand what he says today, it's also extremely important that I learn along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. want to be um, blindsided, you know, in the future. So, but I'm allowing myself um, the, the, I'm allowing myself to learn it along the way without having to know it before I jumped into business. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Kevin from uh, Shark Take, I just I thought it was interesting. He was uh, getting interviewed, and he said, uh, "You know, how how has your business has been successful? You know, that you've invested in Shark Tank." He was like, "The interesting thing," and he was like, uh, "Not just some." He said, "All of the businesses were run by women that knew their numbers." <laughs> and I just thought that was I just thought that was amazing that every one of his successful business on Shark Tank was run by a woman that understood her numbers. So um I just wanted to get, <laughs> let people know that if you fit that category, you know, um you know, you just gotta you really like I said, you'll never know the future. You'll never know. So you gotta make a decision today based on what you know. And mm-hmm. uh, just be ready to adapt in the future. Hmm. It's great. 
Um, that's great. Uh, and it sounds to me as though one of the real keys here in your partnership is the obvious and, uh, uh, and, and clear trust that you have together. And that's the wonderful thing. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that I, I, that I noticed something that is real. <laughs> yes, yes, that is, that is critical. And so, so, yeah. So, yep. so it, it's important when you form a business partnership to have that kind of trust in, right. in your right. business partners. Yeah. Yep. And well, this was open enough to have those, those tough conversations, okay. too. I said you also yeah. need to be open enough to have those tough conversations, too. Oh, yeah. sure. Absolutely. Oh, great. Well, this has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed talking to both of you. And I uh, so much thank you for joining 100 Entrepreneurs for a podcast interview. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Okay. You guys take care. Have fun. Okay. Right, thank bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye.